0: We're repping the uh, Arizona stuff today. We got the the Diamondbacks. Go uh, Snakes. And I got uh, the got the Suns, Suns. Suns. shirt on today. Are
1: the uh, Suns doing well?
0: Uh, they're in the playoffs. Oh wow! Yeah, I don't think they'll win their first round.
1: They're pretty stacked.
0: Yeah, they're they're like, s- it's like they score lots of touchdowns, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does Harper still on the Suns? Yeah, doesn't. Uh,
1: it? no, no, no. Interesting. Yeah, there was a whole. He got in trouble. Thing, right? Oh, oh! And they did they make him sell the team, or just step down as? I'm not a sports expert, Boston. so yeah, I'm not gonna yeah.
0: say that I know exactly the story, but I think they kind of forced him out. Wow!
1: They're uh, in the NFL, the Washington Football Team. Mm-hmm. They did you see what's happening with them? Mm-hmm. So they basically said the NFL told the owner, "You you have to sell this team," and there's a, a, an offer. For it's still many billions of dollars from reputable people. And then there's this one guy that said, I'll offer it all in $10 billion for this team in cash. He's like, I have it in the account. It's in cash. But no one's heard of this guy. <laughs> that possible? <was> impossible. <laughs> so, so, and this was last week when I last saw it. But so one, it was, they were, you know, one, we need to validate that this guy actually has
0: $10 billion in cash. Was his name like Chapo or something? Well, <laughs>
1: but two, where did it come from? And there were rumors that it came from uh, the Saudi government or somebody abroad to buy the sports team through this guy that no one had ever heard of. But then he's saying, no, 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 my company is actually worth a lot. And I just sold it for, you know, part for $10 billion. So now now (laughs) I want to go read this story. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm kind of, I'm kind of in, in it now. I have $10 billion in cash just sitting there. I'm going to go buy a team. Why would he pay more than it's worth? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I I could see why people are like skeptical. But $10 $10 billion for a sports team. That sucks. It's a lot of money.
1: That's a lot of money.
0: Yeah, I mean, it helps when you don't have to pay for stadiums. Well, no, he said he'll add two billion for the stadium. Oh, yeah,
1: for stadium improvements. But that—that that is the crazy thing. Is yeah, these some of these states just bend over and say, "Oh, yeah, we'll pay for everything."
0: Yeah. No, I don't. I haven't seen the tax. Like, I haven't seen like the their accounting to show why they think it's good business. I imagine they have pretty good rationale because if they didn't, I don't think. could get away with it they have like a fiduciary responsibility i feel like
1: but that's giving politicians a lot of credit it is yeah
0: but um but in my mind it doesn't make sense Mm -mm. now granted it's interesting like so i was looking back at the cardinal stadium cardinal stadium was built in like what like 2002 i think yeah somewhere about around there sure it was like three hundred and fifty million dollars or something.
1: I know. And now every stadium's it's two bit, billion.
0: I know. It's crazy. Yes. In twenty years that instruction costs have changed that much because I mean, it was state of the art. Rollout field. You still go there.
1: It. You're yeah. like, this is a nice stadium. Yeah. 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 So, yeah so. The field rolls out, the the roof opens up. Yeah. It's comfortable. Seating's good. Yeah. 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 That's a great stadium.
0: But But it was, you know, a sixth of the price of current stadiums. But I feel like stadiums are also just kind of a flex.
1: It, well, yeah. I think a lot of the price, too, was they built it out in the middle of nowhere.
0: Probably. They
1: built it out in farm fields. It probably helped. Yeah. And, and so, like, in Nashville, they're going to build it right next to the existing stadium in the parking lot of the current stadium and then demolish that stadium.
0: Where's everyone going to park while they're building it?
1: You know, I'm not, I'm not the logistics guy, so I have no idea. But that's the current plan, is they're going to build it exactly where… They should build it underneath it. Yeah. You know, just
0: shore it up and just
1: dig a hole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or slide the existing stadium out of the way. It will be nice though. I mean, as far as location's concerned. It's a good location. It's a good location. You have that one and then Bridgestone where the Predators play. Yeah. You walk out of the hockey game and you're on Broadway yeah.
0: where you want to be after a hockey game.
1: Yeah. It's, so it's pretty, it's pretty slick. No, it
0: is. Their stadium's probably a better location than, was it Nissan Field?
1: What's it called? Uh, Nissan Stadium. Nissan Stadium. Yeah. But. I'm actually going there today.
0: Or motocross? Supercross. Cross. Yeah. I saw that message on Slack.
1: Yeah. If you want to come out this afternoon. I don't know if you're doing
0: kind? What kind of equipment do they have?
1: Um, probably a, a little dozer, an excavator, and I think they do most everything with skid steers. Maybe a loader.
0: Yeah. When you say a little, like a D1?
1: Yeah, probably. Which would be a D3, 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 I think. I would say so. But yeah. I've never been, I don't, I don't, I've only seen videos and I'm trying to recall by memory, but yeah, I wouldn't be a big machine.
0: It's funny, like the D2, which was the D4, um, we had one and I feel like people always are like, oh, that machines too small and stuff. It's like a really capable machine. That's almost half the cost of a D6. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's actually less than, Depends on what's D6 you're talking about. But, well,
1: Shay and Aspen just bought a D1. Yeah. Because he's he's in these tight areas, he needs to grade in these tight areas. But it's it's way too big for a grader, even a small grader like a one twenty. So he bought a D one, and he's putting triple grouser pads on it, so it doesn't Uh, mark everything up as it works. And he'll have three D GPS on the machine. Yeah. So for
0: his purposes, far far like the best machine possible. Well, and even just like with cat grade control, like you have slope, right? So you could even without. Yeah. You could put it at 0%, yeah. 0%, and if you're finishing pads, you could finish pads with that machine all day long.
1: Yes. So, I'm a fan of it. Yeah, I feel like just D6, though, is like, you need a dozer D6. You just hit the D6 button.
0: Now, uh, on a big job site, a D6 is never too, like, too big, you, you know? know? So, I get why. Like, yeah. if you're finishing basins, but I would say there's a lot of times you could be finishing those basins with a smaller machine.
1: They're on the site yesterday, 40 dozers. Are there any D10s? Yes.
0: Because they were pushing, right? They were pushing scrapers, I think. Myself. Yes.
1: They had a D10 pushcat, um, a D9 pushcat open cab. That's, that's- California's back right uh, there. Well, was it Was it Pete's? Uh, no. It wasn't? No. Pete had the 657s. Plateau had the dozers because they run 31s. Gotcha. And they have 21s too, which you don't see very often. No. They don't, and then, they don't even
0: make 21 still do they
1: no no they make uh 31 and they make the 51 again okay which is pretty cool yeah. i think that'll actually sell pretty well yeah and then patillo had their d10 t2 down there i saw that you said you'd seen it
0: in 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 uh, new york yeah I, I
1: it's funny when i see i i their 390 was down there too when you see the same machine in a different place you're like, yeah oh, where was i the last time i saw that machine
0: yeah. oh i was freezing in new york <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that picture of like them coming off lunch break was nuts yeah that, that little video that you posted yeah oh, did you I, that might have been on slack
1: yeah i put it on slack yeah. i'm gonna
0: post it on the internet
1: one of these days <sighs> but it, it, it uh they probably had 70 trucks yeah articulated in rigid frame um and,
0: and so just, there was triple sevens but was there like seven seven fives or seven seven threes
1: yeah yeah, there were 7.75s seven seven and 7.73s, seven seven I think. And then just a ton of 45-ton trucks.
0: And then they had, how many 390s? Uh, or 395s, I, had, I don't know if they had. Like roughly five, probably 90-ton
1: machines, 90-plus-ton machines, a few 374s, and then just like 20
0: to 30 349s, 352s. Oh, yeah. So 352s was, were pretty popular there.
1: Yeah. That's cool. I think that's now i just had ryan on the podcast and i should have clarified this with him i don't think the 349 exists anymore okay i think it's the 350 and the 352 now i think you're right but i
0: don't know uh, we'll say you're right
1: yeah yeah it's it's all kind of the same machine but i think the 352 just has the bigger undercarriage yeah it has the bigger undercarriage but it's the same machine
0: yeah which i think it's, it's good like P, uh komatsu also did that i can't remember what they called it It was like the pc 400 hd yeah and it had the bigger undercarriage and it was incredible the difference in balance you had just with that bigger undercarriage. Like it felt a lot heavier in the tail. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to add too much weight to it and spread it out a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, you you get a lot more on there. Yeah. And uh, the whole project was dirt, so they were
0: just slinging, just flying. So and it was ten million yards. They started last year. Last I month I mean last month. Yeah. So, uh, what month are we in? April. Yeah. So they started in in uh in march and they have to be done in september
1: yes which and i know like the mining guys will be like oh that's like that's like child's play." but you have to you have to understand it's a greenfield development your phasing is all over the place because they're telling you we need this this first so you can't just go in blow and go yeah i mean you have to get your basins in too because if your basins in yeah storm water yeah access and then um your these are compacted fills so it's. It's logistically very challenging to grade these sites. Not anybody can do it. And Plateau, not anybody could just go there, like maybe two other contractors in the Southeast that could go bid that job confidently just because of the, the schedule. Like, yeah. sure, I think a lot of contractors could move that material, but that's quick. Do it in just a few months. I
0: mean, that's like you're having to move like a million and a half yards a month almost. Yeah. And if you figured even to thirty days, that's still fifty thousand yards a day,
1: right? I feel like they were saying they were doing six thousand loads a
0: week. Yeah,
1: but I don't know if that's right.
0: I mean, that can make sense. I mean, it seems well. That might make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. uh,
1: I, I was driving. You could see it from the highway, and so as I was driving up. All of the 349s and 395s were right there and it was still dark. So they had the light towers and I, I, I just drove in. I'm like, I've never seen, I've never seen this, this, I've seen big earth moving before, but the, the, the velocity of it was, I
0: hadn't seen that. Well, like in the West, you would see, you know, in California, they have jobs like that. California has big jobs, but, yes. but they would be just all scrapers.
1: It'd be all scrapers and it's like a landfill. So they're like, yeah, we need this cell 12 months from now. We're planning ahead. Whereas this one was, they didn't know about the job in December and then it goes to bid and then they're clearing and they're full bore in just a few months yeah. um, because of the way this federal money is moving around yeah these jobs job. would not be possible without the federal money yeah because it's a battery plant yep. um
0: whether it's battery or microchips they're they all correct have a subsidy that's helping yes and i
1: think there there must be a reason why they need it done so fast with that money probably that's the, the, that's the only that's the only way it makes sense because it doesn't make sense to do these jobs this fast
0: yeah i would i would guess that there's something about they have to have it done in a certain period of time to get access to some of that money or something like that
1: yeah I, I think i think it's something like that or they want to do it within the current administration because they don't know what happens with the election yeah like the border fence for example they yeah. come in new administration just says nah we're just gonna stop everything yeah and so the contractors i saw the border fence before that happened and they were moving they were <laughs> <laughs> They were trying to get as much as they could. Yeah, and then yeah, they just turned it over to the lawyers and packed up. I think that's still like out there, right? I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. There's tons of material just laying out there. I I I heard there were machines sitting out there a year after, big machines like D tens, just sitting out in the desert. Uh, you probably shouldn't say that.
0: we have like kids out there tra- 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 driving D tens <laughs> yeah. in the desert. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, an effective way to get through the border fence. No, huh? that's uh, well, just an effective way to have fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um. <laughs> Ooh, there was a. I heard there was a job in Arizona. Yeah, I won't say which one. Yeah, they rolled a new D ten. Ooh, yeah, gnarly terrain, really gnarly terrain. The bad day. That's a really bad day. Everyone was okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think the machine was kind of fine. Yeah, But I don't think a machine's ever fine
0: after you roll it. Yeah, I wish I'd say that we'd never had rolled a machine, but I've seen machines rolled. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not fun. It's a bad day. No. So, yeah, one time we, this is probably like 10 years ago, we were cutting slopes, and um, we were cutting them with a motor grader, and they were, what were these slopes? Two-to-ones, I think. Mm. And we were pulling the two-to-ones down off like a 40-foot embankment. And so, like, you overbuild it, yeah. You compact, then you but cut. then but then you leave like some fat on there, and it was just cutting it, and it had a wind road. That's kind of how it holds up, stays up on the slope. And it was it was like slow motion. Someone caught it on video, of course. Um, and so like they're driving, and the bank the embankment just was like soft, and so like the motor grader just like leaned over, the, mm. the blade was on the ground, and it just like pushed into the embankment, and it was like slow motion, just, wow. and it rolled over. Oh, rolled all the way over? All the way over onto Whoa. this top. ooh. Yeah, which was a bad day. But that machine actually was fine after it. Really? They, they, the operator turned it off right away. No, Nobody was hurt. And okay. because it was so soft, the only thing that was even broke was a mirror. Like the cab, the cab, wow. nothing was because the, the ground was just soft. Because it was all that fat from the slope. Wow. So then we just had to get two cranes out and rig it up and flip it over. And then- <laughs> yeah send it off for a little bit of yeah let the mechanics get into <laughs> it to make sure everything is good before yeah. we run yeah. it again oh yeah. wow so it happens to everybody and like so I, there's always like those people like how could you ever roll a machine and like if you've been around it long enough you've been on a job site that it's happened and unfortunately
1: well and i feel like a lot of the old-time operators yeah i've been there i've rolled machines the funny thing there was uh i don't know if this is a perfect parallel but there was this guy there was this this I grew up in a place in Montana, and they had these family friends that uh, they loved aircraft. Mm-hmm. And they have an air, uh, They fight fires with helicopters and cool. big helicopters like yeah. Chinooks. That's cool. And um, th- these, the whole family's flown their entire lives, and it started with the old man who was just a legend, absolute legend. And I feel like he'd crashed planes thirty times. <laughs> or something like that, like a crazy Uh, number of crashes. And there was, I heard this one story where they were, he was trying to rescue someone high up in the mountains. And the only way to get to him was to intentionally crash the plane. And I was talking to my friend's dad about it. I was like, I would never fly with him. Somebody that's crashed a plane that many times. And he's like, no, no, no. I don't think you understand. He's probably one of the best pilots around because he's still alive (laughs) after 30 (laughs) plane crashes. That doesn't happen by accident. It was like, Oh, okay. All right. I, I get it. I get it.
0: Yeah. Sometimes that's, that's how it's, you learn. It's crazy that like that's, that's insane. Helicopters are not nearly as forgiving as airplanes. No.
1: Well, they, they had one of the kids get killed in a helicopter crash and, and super
0: talented pilot doing, um, think, doing fire. I because, no, I think seismic. Okay. Cause fire is crazy too, because you give this like this weather conditions that are created by the fire. And that makes it that much more difficult.
1: Well, I think that's why they went into the Chinooks because you have the two two engines engines rather than just one.
0: So a lot of people don't know this, but so a helicopter, you have your your blades, right? You may have one or two turbines that run those blades. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people think like, oh, the only twin-engine helicopters are ones that have two sets of blades or rotors. Mm -hmm. But uh, like uh you know airbus which it was eurocopter bell they all make a twin engine sure single set of rotors
1: they're just really expensive
0: they are (laughs) yeah yeah i think the eurocopter 145 or dc 145 new is like 10.5 million dollars
1: i've but uh, that's the go-to helicopter of any bad guy and billionaires. And, well, and, yeah, and <laughs> billionaires.: Yeah, billionaires or bad guys, you can't have another helicopter. That's, that's the gold standard.
0: It's funny because we uh, I'm part owner in a helicopter business, and um, we were looking at maybe getting an EC145, but like used. Like, sure, 20-plus years old. Uh, so we were trying to see if we could figure it out. So I, I found one, and uh, it was like a 2000, I don't know, four or something. But it only had like 2,300 hours on it. And I'm like, oh, this is probably like, this is probably a pretty good helicopter. So I call up the broker and I talk to him. And he's like, yeah, this is, uh, this is owned by a billionaire. Um, uh, this helicopter flies to the support yacht, oh, not to the yacht, the sure. support yacht. Yes. And then once it flies to the support yacht, then uh, they just like bury him over to the, to the boat or whatever. Yes. And then yes. he's like, and then it goes below deck and is stored inside the boat. <laughs> like what?
1: I I saw a boat like that in Maine. It was you a huge yacht. Yeah. And then one that looked similar, but it was for the helicopter. Crazy. Yeah. That like that's how rich some people are. <laughs> they I don't want my helicopter on my main boat. That's crazy. That's where the pool would go. Yeah. Like if I have a helipad, I can't have the damn pool. So you put it on another boat, that's probably a hundred million dollars.
0: I have no idea. It's just, it was like, it just blew my mind that there was a boat big enough to have a garage or a helicopter. Wow. So needless to say, the price was too high for us to, to buy it sure. because he, he took care of it so well.
1: Yeah. So. That's crazy. It's just a different world. Yes. It it's a different world. I flew out of Savannah the other day and at Savannah, you have all the Gulf Streams because yep. Gulf Streams at the airport. Yep. Like the, 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 commercial side of the airport, it's kind of just like, ah, oh, you know, all right, you guys kind of do your thing. Yeah. But th- the whole place is Gulfstream, like everything around it. Um, and the amount of new Gulfstreams sitting outside of those, manu- that manufacturing plant is just sickening. And those are 50, 60, 70 plus million dollars.
0: Yeah. I would, I would say like cheapest Gulfstream you could buy might be 25, maybe
1: like and that's the low end. That's like the real cheap interior, or probably no interior at that point. <laughs> but I know, like the G seven hundred was seventy plus million, and then the rich people were buying them and then flipping them for another ten or twenty million.
0: Oh yeah, so this is interesting because so like the lead time right now on helicopters and jets, new is like two and a half years. Yes, and so if you want your your plane then you have to go pay a premium, I guess, from one of these people who already ordered it. Uh (laughs)
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. It was the people that already ordered it. And they're like, well, they're the sensible ones. (laughs) uh,
0: $10 million off. (laughs) You can have, you can have the airplane. (laughs) I'll I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. Just imagine if that's like, that's one of the decisions you have to make in your life. You open up your portfolio from your your executive team. Okay. So we, we have to make a decision here. I know you want this plane, but there's somebody that's gonna buy it for fifteen more million dollars and yeah. You
0: know. Well it's probably it probably it's not that hard to imagine because if you ordered yours two years ago, you'd probably have inflation on your side too, right? So sure. Availability, but then also the price of the plane's probably gone up even.
1: Yeah. Yes. So I'm
0: assuming like anything else manufacturing.
1: Yeah, but knowing a company like Gulfstream, they would just be like, Hey, the price went up. It's actually this now. Yeah. And you're just like, you either pay it or Get the hell out of there!
0: I have a friend who works for Boeing, and uh, he was saying like they buy their parts in advance, for like an entire contract. So, like, wow! So like, I feel they, like you have to. So like, they would go to say the the Apache, and they would be like, "All right, we're we are under contract. We're going to be under contract with the government to buy, you know, build 150 Apaches over four years." And they would go to all their vendors and be like, "All right, this is the package. We need the price good for the four years." And that's how they would get like, you know, those guaranteed prices. Wow.
1: Well, when I've I've been to some like um like the Caterpillar Skid Steer plant, for example. Yeah. When they were you know, in the past few years they've been really constrained. Everybody's been constrained in the manufacturing world. Mm-hmm. And they were explaining it's like, yeah, we we might have to shut down the plant for a day because we're missing this one bolt. And it's like but, but I'm sitting there thinking you're Caterpillar. You can't talk to the supplier and be like, hey, 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 like we're Caterpillar, come on. But there's the truck manufacturers ordering a hundred times more bolts than Caterpillar is, It's the same bolt. And so the supplier's like, well, we're gonna go service these customers first because you're the small guy. Yeah. And you think, wow, that's, that's different.
0: Or, or they just, they're on allocation. Like yeah. that's the other thing is people just be like, hey, all of our customers are important. So uh, we're going to have to cut everybody's order by 20%. Sure. Which still might mean you shut down. Yeah. It's crazy to me. Like, so when we were, I think it was John Deere's factory, the whole, don't hold me to this, but I think it was John Deere, um, all of their cabs are manufactured by another company, mm-hmm. right? The, the whole cabs come in yep. and it's, it's kind of cool. Like the cab, you don't realize this, but the cab doesn't change much in size, no matter what machine you're in. But like the manufacturers of the cab, I think they only made like two or three size cabs for each like line. So like a wheel loader, yeah. Like a what is the smallest three forty four? I don't. Uh, yeah, like a three forty four yeah, around there, up to a nine forty four. There was like only two cab sizes or something like that.
1: Um. Yeah. I. I for Caterpillar, I feel like it's the the same size cab from the three thirty to the three ninety five. It's the exact same cab. Oh yeah. I'm
0: pretty sure. That would make sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it makes sense.
0: But it would, because, like, you think about just your space. I mean, it might even be a 320. Yeah, it might be smaller. Yeah. Because the space doesn't change much in the cab. It doesn't need to. No,
1: yeah, on the big machine. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Until you get to mining shovels and you want
0: to run a buddy seat. Yeah. That's the only downside. But the 6015 probably has a different cab, because that was a purchase machine, right? It's it probably has a different cab because it's kind of a different part of Caterpillar. Yeah, right. Who, who who did Caterpillar buy
1: that brought them the sixty fifteen? Uh, o and K. Is that who it was? I feel like it's O and K. If it's not, somebody well, they, will, they somebody they, will call you out. They bought <laughs> yeah. Bucyrus. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Bucyrus. That's who what it would, was. Who owned O and K? Okay. And so they didn't. They didn't. But then they inherited kind of the sixty fifteen. But I've seen the original, it's way different from what they run right now. And then they had the 6018 that they painted yellow. It was just an O and K that they painted yellow, and then they overhauled that into the 6020B. But I didn't know the 6018 existed until yeah. I went to Saudi Arabia. And I asked, what do you have here? Well, we have 6015s and we have a 6018. I'm like, what? what's a 6018? Yeah. And I, I look at it and I'm like, oh, that's just funny well that's uh that's just an o and k painted yellow with gotcha. cat on the side that gotcha. because that had just was just after the acquisition
0: it's interesting the 6015 like if you haven't been on a job with with one like i'm not sure if photos really help you understand how big that machine is no that machine uh is substantially bigger than a 395 well, well almost a hundred thousand pounds i think uh,
1: it's a it's a 349 bigger than a 395
0: <laughs> yeah it is a big like freaking machine yeah yeah because we had one one time running for us and i think we had a 670 though a, a john deere 670 on that same job site and like that's not a small machine there was a 6015 yeah we ran 6015 uh really yeah where was that at a landfill cell oh it didn't run that long it was while they were still figuring out the engine issues Oh, whose machine was it? That was Rango's machine. Oh, that's what I
1: thought. That was, that machine was a lemon. Yeah. I feel like they put multiple engines. Uh, They they brought it to us
0: with a brand new engine. Yeah. And within seven days, engine was down. I
1: I heard that one was a particular lemon.
0: But when I was working, I was like, dude, this is crazy.
1: Yeah. But then because of that issue, they went with the 1200s. Yep. And now they have like. All 1200s. Yeah.
0: But I mean. And it's, they're, they're mostly Hitachi, right? They don't really do a lot with the Komatsu, do they? Uh,
1: No, no, yeah. I uh, think it's almost all Hitachi's. Yeah. And then uh, they run Komatsu trucks. Yep. They've done a little bit with Empire. Yeah, they have the HD, like they run the, the 785s, HD. I think, the 100 yeah. ton Komatsu. Yeah, they run that a lot, I feel like. And then um, lots of Volvo 860s. Oh, yeah. A60s. People love those, those mining contractors. Or if you're moving a lot of dirt, you pair that with a 1200 or a big machine like that like it. Oh, yeah. They don't have any experience with the A60s. That's, you can't buy them because everybody has them ordered. And.
0: Which will be interesting because. They're hard to get. It'll be interesting to see if anybody else decides to go play in that market.
1: I'm shocked. I was thinking Caterpillar was going to go make something. Bell has. Yeah. A 60 ton truck, but it's a
0: different design. So I've, I actually Way talked different. to a contractor who had the Bell trucks and they love them. They're, I've heard good things. They're yeah. like, if, if it was like it was that design but it was you know a a a better dealer they're like that's all we'd run sure but the dealer support in their area is just not that great yeah it hurts yeah because those are articulated it's like an articulated rigid frame truck right yes it's 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 like dual single axle
1: i just don't know if that's it's difficult to transport because the cool thing about the a60 it's it's just like the way i put it is uh it's just hit the buffet line. It's like an A forty five that's hit the buffet line like hard. Yeah. I mean it's and it's just been drinking Bud Lights and it's just like a fat A forty five. It just that's that's what it looks like. Yeah. They just took like took the A forty five and into their computer programming, like add, 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 add plus, 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 And then that's what that's what they built. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's if it works, it's just a bigger truck, but you can still throw it on a trailer and haul it down the road.
0: Yeah, I wonder if it's I wonder what that weighs. Cause that's what's interesting is like, there's lots of states where transport is so easy and then there's states where it's a freaking nightmare. So I feel like A60s yeah. could be a nightmare in like Ohio, for example.
1: Yeah. Well, and then, yeah. And you've in some, like, I feel like Arizona is pretty, pretty good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Arizona, Nevada, Utah, Utah, yeah, California even.
1: Yeah. Even California, Utah, Utah and Nevada, you can get away with a lot more weight. Yeah, they, you, they run those triple trailers.
0: Yeah, Utah Nevada they allow you to run that second trailer, not for transporting but for material.
1: Yeah, but yeah for material yeah, yeah. Every, everything has two trailers.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they'll run a straight forty, and then they have like a it's like a smaller trailer. I think it's like twenty four feet. Yes, so they get way more tonnage. Way more. Which is interesting. Like I've always wondered why they don't do that in more states because it's it, re- it reduces the cost of your material significantly. Because mm-hmm. because now your power unit is carrying like an extra 15 tons, I think, like that adds up.
1: Yeah. I have, I have wondered that too, especially in a place like Texas, when you have a lot of space, Yeah, like why not?
0: Uh, Even most of the, Colorado, most of the West. Yeah. I mean, most of the West is pretty spread out. Colorado, New Mexico, Texas, Arizona. California, they run the little baby belly dumps, two trailers. Yes. The double bellies.
1: Yeah. But the little, little, little baby trailers.
0: Yeah. So those are interesting because at least in Arizona, those get a few more tons than a straight belly. Really? hmm mm. Yeah. And I, th- I don't know if it's because like where the axle spacing is, but I think you can get like an extra ton and a half or something like that. Uh, interesting. Though, so, and they're nice. Like we would use them on basements. So you couldn't get a straight belly in and super, we there's lots of super 16s and super 18s in yeah. the Phoenix market. Yeah. And so like getting those in, you could get them in, but you're carrying less tonnage in yards. So if you could get double bellies in, you could get more yardage. And when you're, you know, hauling uh, off a hundred thousand yards or something, it adds up. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Ooh, not many people have the double bellies though. Like Auto in, did. In search?
0: Auto did. Um yeah. in search might have. Heritage probably did at one point. Oh uh, yeah. But they're not around.
1: I uh that was one of my favorite things to do in Arizona was if I saw mm-hmm. belly dumps, mm-hmm. stream of belly dumps. Follow them. Follow them. <laughs> yeah. Follow them. And follow, follow the empty ones because I wanted to go to the loading site. They would lead you to there. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I didn't care about where they were dumping, but I always followed the empty belly dumps and they would lead you right to the hole,
0: wherever it was. That should be a shirt. Instead of like you know, chasing the rainbow, it should be like chasing the belly dumps and yeah. we'll, like, we'll like make them like arched. <laughs> I did that so many times over. So many
1: times. But yeah, whenever abusing, you know, Busing would be digging a hole, yeah. you guys would be digging a hole. Um, there was that one big project at like the Ritz Carlton, oh yeah, yeah, in Paradise Valley, they were hauling forever off that job. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, I feel like with the with yeah, that it was, much it land, as
0: big as it was, was, you would have thought they could have balanced it better than they could did. Could have put it somewhere.
1: Well, and then they screwed up the original basement. They had to redo all that work. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah was, something the design, the design was off. off. Yeah,
0: and that's an interesting part of the market or the valley because the, the dirt there is like marginal. Yeah. So a lot of times you can't get rid of it. You have to take it to the landfill or use it as general fill, but it doesn't meet structural fill spec. Is that right? Yeah. It's like right there. Kind of PI
1: is a little bit high. Do you have to pay to drop it at the landfill or they just take it?
0: Uh, Usually you have to pay. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Usually you have to pay. Interesting.
0: That's not like the, it's not like a dump fee, like trash or uh, inert landfill, but there's usually a dump fee. Usually taking it to like a, at least in the Phoenix market, usually taking it to one of the aggregate producers. And uh, they're using it to help fill in an old cell from aggregates. Yeah, that's right. Because right. in Phoenix, the, the land's worth a lot. So usually they, over time, fill the cells back in and then remarket it. There, there, were some, there were some big
1: jobs that they filled, like some big holes that they filled over the years. Well, like that John, that
0: Johnson Stewart pit? Where was that? That's the one on Alma School on the 202, oh, right yeah. by Bass Pro Shop. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah, it's, it's filling up quick. Yes. So we, we were set up there crushing for a little while. Really? And um, they plan to have that thing full in like the next year or two. That's a really cool story. So uh, Johnson Stewart is the name of it. And um, Earl Johnson is like the old timer. So uh, he was probably like, he'd probably be around 100 or something. Yeah, and when I first got started in the business, my dad would take me to breakfast um, with him, with Al Otto and a bunch of like the you know the old timers. Yeah, and we'd eat breakfast together. At the end of breakfast, there was a, a cup of, of dice, and you, you had to roll the dice to see who paid for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> but he was one time telling the story. He started that pit. That pit got like because they end up using drag lines in it. So I mean, the pit got below Uh, the water table and they're running drag lines so i'd say it's really deep 150 feet at least yeah he started it loading his truck his pickup truck by shovel Uh, and then like he just slowly got bigger and bigger and bigger and then um there's not a lot of landfills left in the east valley now no for inert, and so they have been they were getting between four and six hundred loads a day at that landfill whoa yeah
1: Wow. So They're just printing money.
0: Yeah. And they're filling it in and then it'll be worth a pretty good sum of money. Yeah.
1: I'm telling you the materials business is where it's at. It's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 If you, that's the thing with Arizona, it's all of the aggregate sand and gravel. I mean, kind of comes from like one belt all along the valley, along the
0: salt river. Oh yeah. That or, or the, was it the Hacienda on the, the west yes. Side. Yes. But it's yes. all it's all dry riverbeds, no matter where. Pretty yes. much. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The when we went to see Fisher crushing for the I-17. Yeah. They were just digging out like a wash, and loading an A-60, and it was just like cobble, straight sand, and cobble that they were then crushing for the, all the aggregate for the whole job.
0: The thing that's interesting is like so the way, the way that the material has settled in the valley is the the Salt River um, used to flood. And so that sand and gravel is actually distributed below ground, a long ways from Mm -hmm. it. So like Mm we we'd have projects. We had a project at the Broadway Curve. It was actually building Sun's headquarters, but years ago, Uh. right there at the Broadway Curve. And uh, we we got the job, and it needed non expansive. And we're like, hey, there's a good chance there's non expansive, or the sand and gravel. It's just down a few feet. So we potholed, and sure enough, it was there. And so we were digging ponds. For that, there's a big pond there in the center of the Fountainhead complex. Yeah, and we just took out the material for the pond, and then we overdug the pond, uh-huh. you
2: know,
0: fifteen feet. We got all our non expansive, then we filled it back in. Nice. And that exists like kind of. You'd be surprised how sh- how far north and south that can go. Well, you when
1: you guys were doing that basement in Tempe, which one? Uh,
0: like right on Mill. The, oh yeah yeah yeah. Just um, two or three years ago. Yeah, that's uh, that was for Hines.
1: Yeah, I feel like that was all you guys. Mil. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's all that was there. It's not that far from yeah. Salt River, but yeah. it's still a, a little ways. Well, we ran into like beach sand there. Yeah, yeah, I, f- I feel like that. It was, like, was it was it was this
0: flowing sands. So when you're digging a 28 foot deep basement and you uh, have flowing sands, it makes for some complex shoring. But it was it was a yeah. cool job.
1: Yeah, that was that was a cool one to see. Yeah, it was a pretty good sized basement.
0: That was the first time we saw the chinstrap art hats. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I got um. I got thrown off that site by the GC.
0: Because well, you didn't have the hard hat or what?
1: I don't know. No, I, I, it, uh, the guy, I it, it was just, I don't know if he had a fight with his wife the night before or what, what, whatever it was. He was just not in a good mood. And we had done everything we needed to do. And and he just kicks us off. And I called you. And I'm like, hey, we just got kicked off. I don't even know what just happened. And then you call me back 10 minutes later. Okay, you're good to go. <laughs> and And then we walk... We, we walk right by the guy that just kicked us off back into the site. And I just have a smug look on my face. Because <laughs> he just got a call from somebody like, what are you doing? And we went right back and got back to work. Then it was one of the chin strap guys.
0: That's funny. I still look at those pictures because it was like a tinted um, visor. It had the built-in visor. It was tinted. Yeah. And it does look like something out of like Star Wars or something. Like it doesn't look. Yes. It doesn't look normal. But. Man, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. I we, we we before I left blunt we had our first contract that required our people to wear chin strap hard straps and then, like they call out like the two or three manufacturers, you have to run one of those two or three manufacturers. it was a it was a contractual requirement. And I think it's only time we had another client who didn't require it, but they asked if we would consider um running chin straps and then they they like strongly encouraged our safety people to be the example yeah so, that's how they get you sooner or later aaron's gonna be on a job site with a chin strap i don't know i don't see them all that often yeah i i really don't i know but like that's how like stretch and flex was it starts with the big gcs it everything's pushed right. by the big gcs so yeah. once once you know once like you get three or four of those top 10 gcs that do it i feel like then kind of the rest of the gcs feel like they have to and then it just trickles down. The, the thing with stretch and flex, I was thinking about this.
1: I was running the other day thinking about annoying safety rules. Yeah. Like I typically do. It drives me nuts that, okay, Hey, we have a lot of slips, trips, and falls. And especially like on, uh, with equipment, equipment operators, what your number one injury is probably getting in and out of equipment. I don't know, but it's probably up there. It's, it's up there. So the answer is, well, we need to stretch and flex. But let's not consider people's actual health and well being. Like I jump on and off equipment. I don't worry about it all that much because I'm healthy. I'm good. I'm strong. I'm good to go, man. I'm like, I'm not really at risk. But instead, it's like, let's let's not actually think about the root problem here. And let's just hit the stretch and flex button. That covers us. Yeah, that's a good point. It might it might reduce it. It might help, but it's it's not at all addressing the root cause.
0: Yeah, I think what you're highlighting is like, there's, there's probably stability issues. There's probably, you know, probably fairly sedentary. That's probably why they have balance issues. Sure. Even strength. Like, I think part of it's too just health is, is inside work and outside of work.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
0: think this is a thing that's interesting in construction is like, we, we don't do a good job when it's stuff that we Feel like is outside of work, Mm -hmm. like even I think mental health falls into this same category. Yeah, like well, let's try and control what we can here, but like you know, they're people; they can do what they want to at home. But I don't think we do a great job of educating on like what could you do. So, like that's actually one thing I'm excited about. You know, we're getting ready to do some content for the training platform Mm -hmm. that's going to cover some of these things that maybe don't get covered real well by the industry. And hopefully that's how we continue to honor our mission of making the dirt world a better place. We we get to start pushing some of that content into the industry.
1: Yeah. Well, we have, as we're speaking on this podcast, we're recording mental health on the other side of the office right now right. with uh, Vince Hefali from Ajax.
0: And we're working on, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say this out loud, but working on some, uh, some training for nutrition and health.
1: Yes with first form firstborn, okay yeah. i don't know if i was allowed to say it or not i don't know either but <laughs> I, that's what i do i just say stuff and get in trouble for it later yeah which, um, is, which
0: is super exciting i've been able to be on some of those conversations and and like the list goes on well it, you're teaching on financial health i'm teaching financial health so yeah. i've taught i've done some of it uh, i think we did like our first uh, six lessons, our courses on it and i think there's two or three more that need to be shot today and tomorrow yeah i i i think it'll be really beneficial I think when it comes to mental health, the biggest thing is like, we just have to normalize that it's okay. Like somebody hurts their, their shoulder and they come to work and like, they're like doing this. It's like, oh, what's wrong with your shoulder? Oh man, sorry to hear that. Hey, like, you know, it's not a big deal, but for some reason in our society, and I don't think it's just construction. I think it's just our society. No. Like, um, it's not okay to say, Hey, I'm in a bad spot or I'm having a tough time, like depressed. Like, I also think it's, we don't even know, like I was talking to my wife once. So, um, I had some like really challenging times running the business.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: you know, I didn't, nobody taught me how to do it. I kind of self-taught and I made some mistakes and some of the mistakes were really hard. And I remember, um, we lost our, our biggest project. There's a change in the administration and it stopped. Uh, the funding got stopped and we had like probably a half of our fleet was on this project Mm. and uh, it was supposed to run for two and a half years and so when we lost it we had to go find more work like right now or we weren't going to survive and when we did we picked up some crappy work and so when you pick up crappy work you know it's not like it's just over Mm -hmm. it's like Twelve to twenty-four months to work through that. Sure. And I remember we uh, we were just getting our butts kicked in Tucson on a job. We were getting our butts kicked on a job in North Phoenix and in Tempe. We had these three jobs, and they were kind of spread out by you know about an hour each. You know, from each job to each job. And so I left one project, uh, went to go to the project, and it was going to help just make sure the night shift got started right, and then. Like the supervisor didn't show up or something so i worked that whole night uh at the end of shift a guy in a water truck rolled it so i had to help make sure it got upright make sure the guy went and got his uh wellness check to make sure there's no issues got his drug test all that stuff and then it was time for me to be at my morning my meetings on saturday so i drive out to the next job on saturday that job's not going well either um get home i'm exhausted i've been up for like 36 hours and i'm like i'm going to sleep and i like lay down for just a second and then my wife wakes me up and she's like hey sorry but there's a rattlesnake in the backyard <laughs> 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 it needed to go take care of it so i like walk out in like my flip flops and like underwear probably just arizona things. <laughs> and i i like go out there and i'm like holding the shovel like this is really dumb <laughs> why am i out here with flip-flops on in my underwear yeah um hopefully this goes well but i was just so tired and just so done so i take care of the rattlesnake which hopefully i don't offend anybody but that was by killing it yeah yeah yeah, um yeah and got rid of it and then so it was just a really long day so sunday i wake up and like i don't want to get out of bed Mm -hmm. like i didn't even know how to explain what i felt because like how do you know what depression is sure right like i i don't don't think like never felt that but i remember telling my wife like for the first time in my life ever i thought i remember i think i thought things like what would life what would what would everyone's lives be like without randy and i'm like that's scary that's dark yeah yeah Mm -hmm. but i think just the fact that people know that somebody who has been successful who have a beautiful family i'm so blessed i still got to that dark of a place sure and and that's okay. But yeah. talk to somebody about it. Yeah. Get help because that's how you get through it.
1: Yeah. It's, um, it, I, I get why people don't talk about it though. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's easier said than done. Oh, I mean, yeah. even like it's hard. Know, what I've struggled with over the past few months is last, last year was tumultuous. And then we, we had layoffs at the end of the year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've felt a lot of shame after that happens. Yeah. And, but you don't want to talk about it because it's like, well, I, you know.
0: You have to relive it almost.
1: Well, I, it's not even that. It's like, oh, so poor me. Like, I don't want it to appeal poor me. Like, oh, you're Mr. Business Owner. Everybody thinks I make a bunch of money and this yeah. and that. You don't. <laughs> I don't. We're, I, we're don't. The, I think
0: we're the two lowest paid people in the company. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe not quite, but
1: close. But, but within leadership. Really by sh- long yeah, shot. For a long shot. Um, but I, yeah, so I have I have all these emotions. I have this shame. Um, it's been hard to process, but I haven't. I I want to go talk about it, but but then I I don't want it to appear like I'm pandering or anything like that. Um, and so or or stuff that um you know has to deal with other people. Like I've struggled with something over the past year, a little bit more than that, with a a family member. Yeah, I want to talk about it badly. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't feel like it's fair to, to them.
0: Yeah. It's tough because like, you know, you have a bias. And so like, if you talk about it, you, you, you don't want that bias to show through and negatively affect people's perception of that person. Yeah, exactly. So that, I mean, it's good that you're self-aware and that you, you care enough about that person. It, hopefully they realize that, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Um, but it's, it's, it's tough. Cause it's like, I, I just don't, I process by talking things yeah. through and I'm pretty open typically, but there's a few things that have weighed on me that I just don't feel like I can.
0: But is that like into. one of the ways that you feel like therapy helps because you're able to at least talk to totally, at least talk to somebody. Oh,
1: oh yeah. I don't know what, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have therapy over the past three, four years. And if I didn't have exercise every day, yeah. Yeah. I would be a mess. Like I, I don't, I don't even know. I I think that's partially why I'm, I'm able to be so patient because I just, I beat the shit out of myself first thing in the morning. And then the rest of the day, I I don't have a lot to get worked up.
0: Like I don't have the energy to get worked up. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, I tell people all the time, like, I think X, like people are like, oh, you like to work out because you want to be like big. I'm like, first of all, let me take my shirt off. I'm no (laughs) (laughs) example of, of like fitness here. I have the, I full on have the dad bod. Yeah but the reason i enjoy exercise is what it does for me mentally like totally it is it grounds me it, it, it like when i was having that uh those dark times i wasn't exercising right mm-hmm. and like for me it's like it's like how i can work through my frustration how i can like you know sometimes it's just listening to music sometimes it's just put headphones in and not listening to anything it like just clears my head yeah um it's it's exercises and i think studies now are starting to show like it is hugely beneficial for mental health right yeah outside of outside of the physical we all know it's good for you physically but it's hugely beneficial um for your mental health
1: i, I think it's better far better for mental health like the physical benefits that's a bonus man like it's it's a mental game and you, if you think about how humans evolved we didn't evolve sitting on the couch like we had to we had to do stuff. We mm-hmm. had to work to get the calories. We needed to even live. Yeah. We needed to survive. There was, um, yeah, we were in just a constant state of motion back in the day as we were evolving as human mm-hmm. beings, as our mind was evolving, and now we're completely sedentary, the total opposite of how we've evolved. And so no wonder you have all of these mental health issues now because people have been so, they're just, they have so much in them that's bottled up that. There's no release on.
0: just no. that. That's why. I mean, we. I think we talked about this when we spoke for AEMP, but we talked about how um, people generally rate themselves as happy in our industry, or they enjoy their work they do. I shouldn't yeah. say rate themselves happy, but they enjoy the work they do, and it's probably rooted just in that, right? Like, sure. you 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 can see what you've done, and generally, although now maybe you're not actually. Um, running a shovel you're you're still running controls and like you know you're actually building something and i think that's why there's so much enjoyment of what we do like i haven't met somebody who works in construction who hasn't said i help build that right like there's like this pride that goes into to helping be a part of building something with their hands
1: totally well but it, but the other side is construction has gotten comfortable in a lot of ways yes and uh if you're running a machine all day yeah you're sedentary yeah you're 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 just as sedentary as anybody in the office. It's mentally t- draining yeah. like if you run a machine all day you go you're still exhausted like yeah. I don't want to diminish that, but from a physical standpoint
2: yeah
0: you're not yeah. you're not if the fatigue's different, right It's not yeah. like you know it's not like loading a truck by shovel, yes, they used to, or yes, um some of that work. that's actually why though, like I had a friend who um recently uh, he was it was a Saturday before Easter and he was um I saw he was working out on a job site and, you know, I knew he didn't necessarily want to be there, but they needed sewer, um, to this building. So their sewer went out. And so I, I went over and was like, was just like, Hey, where are you at? And he's like, uh, give me the address. He's like, why well, i am I like, going to help? And, uh, it was, it was, you know, I think at the end he's like, so you said you're coming to help, but I think you just wanted to like, you just wanted to do it. Like, I'm like, there's some truth to it. Like, Hey, I, I wanted to help because I know what it's like to be at family stuff and have work in the way. And I had a few hours free that there was no family stuff. So I will help you. But also, yeah, dude, it felt good. I got done and I was like, man, it felt good to like get in the trench, lay some pipe. Just work. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, but I get, I also get the side of things where it's like, if I just worked 14 hours, I don't want to go to the gym. Yeah, or sure. if I have to start at five, I'm not going to the gym at three thirty. Like, I, I, I I, uh, I, I can't do that. Yeah. So I, I understand. Oh, for sure. Why so many people don't do that because of the hours demanded. It makes it really difficult. Not to make excuses, but I mean, it's kind of a valid excuse.
0: It makes it hard. Yeah. Yeah, and and so like, um, I think like when it comes to exercising, you have to find the balance. So. If you're in the field and you are working lots of hours, exercising could look very different. Mm-hmm. Like it could be as simple as, you know, we talk about balance and, you know, core strength. Like it could be as simple as uh, doing air squats, planks, some push ups and sit ups.
1: Yeah. 100 like, push ups a day.
0: Yeah. Like I know it doesn't sound like much, but it'll make a difference and um, it will get the endorphins going. Yeah. Kind of help you, you know, feel better.
1: Or a 15 minute
0: walk. I, right now i try to walk at least a mile a day um, one to two miles a day yeah that it's crazy so uh, this is all i did i started having high blood pressure and it was like freaking me out i'm getting close to 40 Mm -hmm. and i was like oh man i'm getting high blood pressure remember my dad died when he was 50. sure so like i'm like but that wasn't from high blood pressure no but still sure. and my grandpa died in his early 60s so i'm like understood gotta gotta take better care of myself um (laughs) well it's not really a problem for me, but <laughs> if I did drink, yes, less drink. Um, so, uh, which is funny. It's funny because, like, yeah. I'm in construction and um, it's just like people think like there's something like, like I'm an alien or something, but well, you don't drink. I'm yeah. Like, no, I don't. And when I was yeah. in Germany, it was worse. I <laughs>
1: was just going to say, yeah, if you go to Europe, it's way worse. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, like, we were at Bauer and I take um, it personally. Yeah, so we were, we were at a restaurant and um, they were like, uh, you know, what do you want to drink? I'm like, water. And like, they looked at me like, what? I'm like, yeah, I just have water. They're like, water's for washing your hands. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. I was like, well, I don't drink. And they're like, why? I'm like, oh, for religious reasons, I don't drink. And, and they're like, they kind of, you know, usually like people give you a break. Uh, if not, I tell them like my dad was an alcoholic Yeah, because yeah. he was. Yeah. Um, before finding religion in his life, he was. And so that's always kind of scared me. Um, but the best part is like at the end though, so they, they didn't really give up because at the end they're like, all right, now it's time um, we're gonna have some schnapps, you know, like with dessert or something. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't like, I don't drink. They're like, this isn't alcohol. This is medicine. <laughs> like you just need a little bit. It'll help you sleep good tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it probably would, but no, no, no medicine for me.
1: Oh, uh, it's, um, yeah, but I, when I was there with Zeppelin and Bauma. that, yeah, I, I, um, they say Greater Albie's coming with the Grater. So he, he pulls up to the hall with his Grater, and we have beers. And we're, it was one of those cool life moments. I don't know if I had a beer. I don't even know if I was drinking that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't drink very much because it was just so exhausting, and I didn't want to wear myself down further. Yeah. But it was, it was cool because you're at Bauma. It's closed, and you're sitting there with this blue Grater running with flashing lights and music going. And everybody's having a beer, and they're putting it on the circle gear. Like <laughs> their glasses of beers. So the they're like gear. steins, like yeah, yeah, yeah. From from the Zeppelin Hall, you're just like, this is amazing. This is cool. It's uh the culture is just so different. It's it was a cultural thing. It wasn't like let's get drunk. It was just like that's how this works. That's yeah. how people get together. Um, it was a cool it was a cool life moment.
0: And uh, Bauer said this is a few years ago, but I want to say like within the last five years was when they finally stopped. You used to be able to have up to two beers on shift. Uh-huh. The manufacturing process. And I think, I remember right, that's no longer, they're no longer to do that, but you might be able to still get a beer like at the facility, you just can't be during shift. Sure. Don't hold me to that. And hopefully Bauer doesn't yeah. get upset by me, me yeah. misquoting that. Their
1: alcohol policy their <laughs> beer policy. Um, Going to the hours, I, I did, there was something I posted the other day. It was about I didn't I don't think I phrased it right. I, I made the mistake of attacking overtime, which was kind of dumb because it wasn't overtime that I was really trying it wasn't my point about overtime. It was my point in like the total inflexibility of the industry and people just saying like the hours are the hours. It just is what it is. And I think there's as these companies get constrained from a workforce standpoint, the go-to solution in a lot of ways is just work more hours, which makes overworked people more overworked and in my opinion, less efficient, which is the opposite of what we need to do collectively as an industry. Uh, but it pissed a lot of people off because it, a lot, tons of people agreed, tons of people didn't agree, but it just highlighted like. They were all saying, well, just is what it is. I wouldn't even get jobs if I didn't work these hours. I understand that. But I think as the industry, collectively, we also need to ask ourselves, and I say ourselves, dirt world well, on the dirt world, how can we be just a little bit more flexible?
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm, we might be opening another box of worms here. But for sure. And worms comes, come in cans. Okay. Yeah. Can of worms. Yeah. I don't good, know where good, you, good. you find <laughs> boxes of worms. Good point. I don't know where you find cans of them. either I, 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 they, they always yeah. come in a styrofoam it, cup. When really I get. A styrofoam that. cup. Yeah. Yeah. That's. We're gonna start saying that instead of can or whatever. cup of worms. I'm gonna open a styrofoam cup of worms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, I think what's amazing about humans is when you put constraints on us, we have a way of Making things happen. Sure. You know, you think of like high jump, pole vault, you think of like the barriers and track and field of like, you can't run this, whatever. Like, there's this thing that once that constraint's in place, we just have a tendency to figure things out. I think if we didn't just default to let's work more hours, I think we would find that we can be more efficient than we are Mm -hmm. in the industry. I think like you, you think about, Hey, um, I'm going to go work an extra 10 hours this week over 40 hours, you know, like, so, Hey, I've worked 10 extra hours. I should get more production. I think a lot of studies show you don't get, you know, 10 extra hours of production, yeah. but when you look at how hard would it be instead of laying 600 feet of pipe today to lay 660 I think there's a path to that 10% increase mm-hmm. or instead of moving a thousand yards, move 1100 yards. I think there's a path to do that, but we don't always want to put the time in to plan that out. It's like, it's like we talk, I think we've talked about this before, but like morning huddles are generally like just telling like, Hey, yeah. this is what we're going to do today. Like there's not a discussion and a plan and a contingency. Yeah. yeah. Like we could, we could get, productivity without having to work extra hours in my opinion
1: but i i think it takes it's going to take some solidarity as an industry i think it's going to take some courage as an industry because i think there's a lot of pressure from outside forces from the government from general contractors from project owners in general wanting more and more
0: i completely agree we were on a project and i would have this conversation on a regular basis with their executives the project had a very um worker conscious program so they did a lot of things that was to improve the working experience for, you know craft but they still expected everyone to work 60 hours a week yeah like you want to improve the craft life don't don't expect things to be done with working a 60 hour week like but it's hard because like you said the money flows that way and so it's hard as a contractor to say like no we're not doing it sure um and you know for us we couldn't say no we weren't doing it but we worked hard to make sure that every other saturday somebody had off and like it wasn't hey we're taking a complete stand but we could at least try and move the pendulum a little bit Mm -hmm. so know courage doesn't mean you have to flip the bird and say we're not doing it but hey start having the conversations about how do we get our people home to see their families i don't know about you guys but my my saturdays are pretty full yeah and uh if i miss you know saturdays and sundays i'm not seeing my family a whole lot
1: Mm -mm. which then degrades potentially your family life which then degrades your mental well-being which then degrades the quality of your work
0: (laughs) <laughs> Pro- probably hurts your sleep, like lots of things.
1: Every, everything, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just, I think the industry needs to be a little bit more open-minded. Uh, and, and there's other industries that have figured this out. Like my, I was thinking about nursing. Like this typical schedule a lot of times is 312s. It's not a perfect parallel. But a yeah. hospital runs 24 hours a day. Okay, yeah. cool. If that's a constraint, how do we work within that constraint? And they've come up with this schedule or firefighters. Okay. You work three days on, but then you have four days off. Mm-hmm. That's why nurses and firefighters don't make as much typically, but they like the lifestyle. Yeah. I get four days off. Like, yeah. sure, I'm going to trade three days totally on sleeping at the fire station for four days off. And I know that's not how every fire department works, but.
0: Well, but then did, um, didn't Chick- Chick-fil-A just did this too on a store? really they advertised for um it was like a test pilot and it was like uh three 13 or 14 hour day shift i think it was three 14 hour shifts or something like that Mm -hmm. they had a thousand applicants Um, because people were like i can work three days a week Sure, it was 13 yeah i can work three days a week and have four days off like flexibility that gives people is pretty incredible. Now, there's probably arguments to say, well, can you be productive for 13 hours straight? Well, in construction, we do that all the time already. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the thing that's interesting is there would probably be efficiencies gained, right? Because now you could potentially um, work, you know, 50% more hours with the same amount of equipment, mm-hmm. and so you would drive down your equipment ownership costs because you'd be able to put more hours on it.
1: That's interesting. Yeah,
0: that's why a lot of people yeah. make the argument for overtime. They're like, well, yeah, my labor costs me more, but my equipment costs me less. So it's a wash. That's what I hear all the time.
1: Sure. Is that true?
0: Um, kind of. it depends on how you cost your equipment. And that's like a whole yeah. bag, of, bag of worms. This yeah, time.
1: yeah, yeah. There's a lot more worms coming down the pipe there. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, um, it's easy for me to sit outside of the industry and, hey, we should think about this, guys. But I also see a lot of the industry and I think a lot of people say you, you won't ever get it. Yeah. I won't ever get it. I don't run a construction company. Um, But at the same time, I get it big picture a lot better than I feel like a lot of people just working in their company in central Idaho, for example, Mm -hmm. they're just in central Idaho. They don't ever see work in Georgia. They don't ever see work anywhere else in the United States, typically, other than social media, which is yeah. not all that accurate a lot of times. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I don't know. I, I, I had a job offer out of school from the company that I wanted to work for. Absolute. There, there was, it was the offer. Nothing was wrong. I was going to go work on the coolest projects ever. Life would be grand, but I didn't take it because I knew that I would be selling my life to that company. For however long I worked for them. It wasn't really the hours. Like I work more hours today than ever before. I work seven days a week, nonstop. I love what I do. Um, but I knew that they would absolutely own my life and I didn't want to be a part of that.
0: Yeah. And by that, you mean you'd have to go wherever they wanted you to, when well, they wanted to,
1: it, whenever they picked up the phone, said, Hey, you're going here. You either listen or you find another job. It's just, uh, Hey, we're working nights. We're working weekends we're, and then, you know, you get put on salary uh, when you start out, you're like, they don't do the calculation. I know people in the field, yeah, they work a lot of hours, but a lot of times the people in the office are working more hours. Like, the project, like an overworked project manager, like the hours they put in on some of these jobs, especially a job that's backwards, like that's hemorrhaging money <laughs> and then the stress on top of that, it's, it can be gnarly. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, this wasn't always the case, but the truck drivers sometimes would come in, and I would get there. So our transport drivers showed up early, and so they'd be like, you know, we're here at three thirty this morning. What time did you leave? And it would be like, you know, three thirty to six thirty. Days like that weren't uncommon in the office. Yeah, and it's different work.
1: It's you know, different. Yeah, it's different.
0: There's there's goods to it because I could also be working and. Be driving my son, you know, I could be on a conference call driving my son somewhere and they didn't have that flexibility. Sure. So, you know, not, not, oh, you know, poor office workers, but, yeah. but it, they, I think everyone works hard.
1: Hard work's hard work. The, that's where the pride bites the industry in the ass, I feel like a little bit is my work's more valuable than yours. It's like, or no. just
0: like I, uh, since I worked that hard, you should work that hard. Like, yeah. I put in the time you need to put in the time now.
1: Yeah. yeah exactly. Exactly. The, one of the examples that someone brought up was their, uh, fuel and lube and, um, you know, they get done early. They did everything they need to do. Hey, can I go home early? No, find something else to do. Yeah. Well, why can't I go home early? Like I, I did my job. Yeah. But, and so even people that are doing their job, they're, so that person's not incentivized to do any better, be more effective. Yeah. Because, okay, so if I'm stuck here anyway, I'm just going to take my time. Of course, I'm going to stop by the gas station extra time.
0: So I had this policy and it was probably not super uh, liked, mm-hmm. but my policy was, if you're a supervisor, you're on salary. And that included foreman. Mm-hmm. And it was for this very reason. I wanted my foreman not to be incentivized to work Saturdays. I wanted them to be mad that they yeah. had to work Saturdays. Yeah. Because I wanted them to do everything they could to find efficiency, not just put in hours. Did that work well? I mean, we were significantly more profitable than the industry.
1: Yeah. So you always had your foreman on salary? hmm Interesting.
0: Yeah. Ah. I felt like if you're keeping track of time, which our foreman helped with time, mm-hmm. and you're helping manage production, then in my mind, that you should want to make the company as profitable as possible, which is generally not working overtime and finding a way to get the work done within a standard shift. And yeah, so that's what we did. It wasn't always popular. There was definitely people who came into our company who were part of the overtime culture and they had a really hard time with it. Um, and we also had a pretty good bonus program. And there's a lot of people who didn't believe they would get the bonus, right? Mm. so yeah they you know they had experiences where they never got it so it would take somebody working at our company and getting that bonus to really get bought in i feel like
1: was the bonus based on company profitability yeah
0: yeah yeah we didn't do it on job you know some people could pull that off but we did a lot of commercial work and so you might have multiple foremen on a job and it was too hard for us so we just said we want everyone to be incentivized to make the company go well like we all went together
1: i think that's better too than the job a lot of times because sometimes you could bid something wrong yep. and then it's put on the foreman as like so you dealt me a terrible hand and now this is the hand I have for the next 16 months yeah and it's it could be pretty demotivating
0: well and then if you like nobody wants to go there right? yeah because yeah, they they know yeah. it's the bad job and, yeah. and affect their bonus so our hope was just like even um even on bad jobs you know like loss reduction so like, how do we minimize our loss? Like, that's a big deal. Sure. I know a guy who worked for Oldebrecht, uh I think they a Brazilian company. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got hired to go to a dam project and his bonus was solely based off of loss reduction. Wow. So it was like, hey, we're gonna lose $20 million on this dam. Um, you'll get 10% of the savings or something. Interesting. So he always, he always would, he was German. And he worked for this company. Or maybe it was a German company. I don't know. But he, he always would say, yeah, I got my check and I went and bought my Jaguar right after that job. <laughs> really sick, <laughs> uh, German accent. He was a cool guy.
1: That, but that was one of the other points I made with the overtime thing is you adjust your cost of living sometimes to an inflated schedule, working a lot of hours. And it oftentimes becomes golden handcuffs for these guys. Like I was, I talked to two guys the other day. One of them was on the pipeline. He said he was making a quarter million dollars a year. The other guy was doing HVAC work for $10 an hour. They are both broke. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's, it's, if you don't, if you're, if you're young, you've never had that kind of money before. You've never seen that kind of money before. You have no financial skills whatsoever. You're probably going to go spend it all. And then now your cost of living adjusts to that quarter million a year. But you're working, I don't know, 80 plus hours to make that quarter million. So it's either you lower your cost of living, but oftentimes that's not even possible now that you have this mortgage and this RV loan, this truck loan, and you have all of these payments that you got to make. And you're just stuck there now.
0: Yeah, like, you know, outside of the overtime thing, and I don't want to dive into it too much, but like that's why budgeting is so important. Like my wife and I, Uh, we watched, you know, like I, I made, I made six figures, but low six figures, like a hundred thousand to like $125,000 a year Mm -hmm. for probably a decade. Yeah. And I didn't take company draws. As the owner of the company. Yeah. Didn't take, or vice president or owner. Yeah. yeah. Didn't take company draws or anything like that. Um, but we still were able to pay off. We had no car payment and we paid off our condo that we had a small house Mm. because we, really believed in budgeting and making your dollars work for you and it's interesting we would always talk about how we had all these friends who would go and do all these things and have all these toys and how we couldn't understand it well then like we hit our early 30s and then all of a sudden like we had no debt yeah and it was like oh now we have freedom yeah but it's, it's like that delayed gratification. It's hard. Like sure. it was hard to watch everyone else have all that doing what we, we thought and believed was right. But then finally it was like, you know, like, I think it was like probably 32. All of a sudden I'm like, oh, this, this works. Yeah. You know, so I've been working since I was 17. Um, and you know, uh, finally felt like paying
1: off. It, it is mentally taxing though. Yeah. I, 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 like I'm in my, I'm, I'm 28 years old everybody's buying houses and nice houses. And I'm sitting around one. I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't really envy it, but I'm just sitting around scratching my head. Like how do they afford yeah, the a houses. house like that? How, how does the math work? Cause I know, I know what they make. I don't know how that's possible financially. Like yeah. I make what they do. I could never even think about it. And I know I'm in a little bit different of a situation, but at the same time, you know, like I don't pull anything from the company. Yeah. I'm living in like a 450 square foot, Apartment above somebody's garage right now. Like I don't, I don't ball out. I I don't at all. Uh, And it's it's hard to watch the other people, everybody else around you. Oh, you know, we just did this to this house, the house, and oh, we just did this remodeling. You're wondering how the hell did they do this? I don't know how the math works. And then it is obviously debt. That's how they do it. It's not their money or their parents' money or whatever it is,
0: but. Yeah. Usually if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense.
2: <laughs>
1: you know, there there was a meme that it it was like, uh, it was the, somebody getting their first mortgage at the banker and they're like, so you mean you can loan me this amount of money and there's no possible way I'll ever pay this off. And they're like, yeah. They're like, how does that work? We don't know. And they're like, I don't know either. Like everybody's like, we have no idea, but, and they're laughing about it. <laughs> like, that's kind of it. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, it's kind of like sovereign debt. I, I always think that week we all we all all these countries, we trade each other's debt. yeah, and and yeah. it's like, are any of us ever going to pay each other back? it's it so weird. Yeah,
1: well, and that's the scary thing with um, the like with China and with Russia and with the the Saudis um trying to sell oil and not the u s dollar yeah that is a slippery slope because i think our debt is worth our debt is worth something because it's the u.s it's based on the u.s dollar
0: yeah that's actually become a pretty like big talking point lately i've heard yeah it'd be interesting to see if there's really much traction there and the reason being is like so the yuan has always been pegged to the dollar mm-hmm. and so they just they just whatever happens to the dollar they just keep that that exchange rate the same yeah Um, if they want to be the currency that is, you know, for trade, they have to stop doing that. Sure. And that's hard to do because now all of a sudden your currency can fluctuate in value without much of your own control. And I'm not sure the Chinese can get behind that.
1: Well, and I don't think they can really even pull that off with their debt load either. Yeah.
0: So I guess Russia, like Russia, Russia recently wanted to like get they put a bunch of money in a bunch of rubles into yuan and then they wanted it back or something i was reading this story so don't don't this don't fact check me on this because i'm probably wrong here yeah, but yeah but i guess like russia went to redeem back to rubles and china the china was like yeah well this is the exchange rate now like they like lost billions supposedly wow. yeah.
1: but it is it is crazy though these countries trying to circumnavigate the u.s dollar at scale, for really the first time, largely because we put these sanctions That's on insane, Ukraine, yeah. these all financial sanctions. We played our hand once. You can only play it really once with a country like that. We've, showed, we've shown our entire hand, and now these other countries are like, how can we circumnavigate this? So if, in theory, we're sanctioned, uh, well, we're fine Get the hot air. Now
0: spooky. It is. But it's- But it's like, I'm not, I'm not alarmed. Like, I think there's, there's a lot of alarmists about this, but to me, it's like one, that that can't happen overnight. And two, uh, we've been the premier currency for trade for at least 60 years, probably more. Mm -hmm. There's a reason it's because we are, we are a stable country and we've proven time and time again that we will let our currency change in its value that we're not going to manipulate it and that's what people want when, when you're dealing with multiple currencies you don't want to have to worry about manipulation
1: well so now there's this whole other theory about manipulation of the currency to force the digital currency yeah devalue the dollar to essentially well we're just going to keep devaluating over here to push everybody in this direction
2: yeah which
1: you can kind of see that happening. I don't. Mm. I don't know if it's, yeah, strategic or not. But it's. It makes you think. Like, huh? That that is interesting. I don't know.
0: I don't know about it. Um.
1: All right. Well, I gotta pee. Yeah. We'll
0: break there and then start again. Or
1: yeah. Uh, how long have we been going for? Yeah, I think we can go a little longer and then just cut this episode in two parts.